0: Chapter Fifteen of From Jest to Earnest by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Fifteen. Hempstead sees our set. They soon reached Mrs. Byram's elegant country home, which gleamed afar ablaze with light the obsequious footman threw open the door and they entered a tropical atmosphere laden with the perfumes of exotics already the music was striking up for the chief feature of the evening Belle reluctantly accepted of hemstead's escort as she had no other resource he will be so awkward she said to lottie in irritable protest and at first she was quite right for hemstead found himself anything but at home in the fashionable revel bell in her efforts to get him into the presence of the lady of the house that they might pay their respects reminded one of a little steam yacht trying to manage a ship of the line not only were lottie and de Forest smiling at the scene but also other elegant people among whom hemstead towered in proportions too vast and ill managed to escape notice and to Addie, her cousin's lack of ease and grace was worse than a crime Belle soon found some city acquaintances, and she and her escort parted with mutual relief. Hempstead drifted into the hall, where he would be out of the way of the dancers, but through the open doors could watch the scene. And this he did with a curious and observant eye. The party he came with expected him to be either dazzled and quite carried away by the scenes of the evening, or else shocked and very solemn over their dissipation. But he was rather inclined to be philosophical and to study this new phase of life. He would see the creme de la creme, who only would be present, as he was given to understand. He would discover if they were made of different clay from the people of scrub oaks. He would breathe the social atmosphere, which to Addie, to his aunt, and even to Lottie, he was compelled to fear was the breath of life. These were the side issues, but his chief purpose was to study Lottie herself he would discover if she were in truth as good a girl, as full of promise, as he had been led to believe at first. Of course he was a predestined wallflower upon such an occasion. Addie had said to Mrs. Byram in a tone hard to describe, but at once understood. A cousin from the West who is studying for the ministry. And Hempstead was immediately classed in the lady's mind, among those poor relations who must be tolerated for the sake of their connections. He was a stranger to all, save those he came with, and they soon completely ignored and forgot him except Lottie, by whom he was watched, but so furtively that she seemed as neglectful as the rest. It was one of the fashions of the hour, a phase of etiquette as ill-bred as the poorest social slang, not to introduce strangers mrs byram and her daughters were nothing if not fashionable and in this case the mode served their inclination and beyond a few formal words they willingly left their awkward guest to his own resources he could not understand how true courtesy permitted a hostess to neglect any of her guests least of all those who from dividends or any cause seemed most in need of attention still in the present instance he was glad to be left alone the scenes around him had more than the interest of novelty and there was much that he enjoyed keenly the music was good and his quick ear kept as perfect time to it as did lottie's feet he thought the square dances were beautiful and perfectly unobjectionable a vast improvement on many of the rude and often stupid games that he had seen at the few companies he had attended and lottie appeared the embodiment of grace as she glided through them but when a blase-looking fellow in whose eye lurked all evil passions and appetites whirled her away in a waltz he again felt with indignation that here was another instance in which fashion custom insolently tramped on divine law and womanly modesty he had seen enough of the world to know that lottie with all her faults was too good to touch the fellow whose embrace she permitted could she could the others be ignorant of his character when it was indelibly stamped upon his face? but hemstead soon noticed that this man's attentions were everywhere received with marked pleasure and that mrs byram and her daughters made much of him as a favored guest in anger he saw how sweetly lottie smiled upon him as they were passing near she caught his dark look and interpreting it to mean something like jealousy became more gracious toward her rue looking attendant with the purpose of piquing hemstead a little later bell came into the hall leaning upon the arm of a gentleman having requested her escort to get her a glass of water she was left alone a few moments hemstead immediately joined her and asked who is that blase looking man upon whose arm miss marsden is leaning and upon whom she is also smiling so enchantingly he is the beau of the occasion and she is the belle do you know anything about him i hope his face and manner do him injustice i fear they do not i imagine he is even worse than he looks how then can he be such a favorite she gave him a quick comical look which intimated you are from the back country but said i fear you will think less of society when i tell you the reasons i admit that it is very wrong but so it is he has three great attractions he is brilliant he is fast he is immensely rich Therefore society is at his feet. Oh, no, not society, but a certain clique who weighs things in false balances. How strange it is that people are ever mistaking their small circle for the world. Bell gave him a look of some surprise and thought, I half believe he is looking down upon us with better right than we upon him. After a moment Hemstead added, that man there is more than fast i should imagine that harcourt was a little fast and yet he has good and noble traits i could trust him but treachery is stamped upon that fellow's face and the leer of a devil gleams from his eye he is not only fast he is bad does miss marsden know his character she knows what we all do there are hard stories about him and as you say he does not look saintly but however wrong it may be mr hemstead it is still a fact that society will wink at almost everything when a man is as rich and well connected as he that is as long as a man sins in certain conventional ways and keeps his name out of the papers here her escort joined her and they passed on and hemstead stood lowering at the man the pitch of whose character began to stain the beautiful girl who knowing him somewhat could willingly and encouragingly remain at his side true he had seen abundant proof that she had a heart good impulses and was capable of noble things as he had told her but was she not also giving equal proof that the world enthralled her heart and that senseless and soulless fashion rather than the will of god or the instincts of a pure womanly nature controlled her will he had no small vanity in which to wrap himself while he nursed a spiteful resentment at slights to himself. It was a tendency of his nature and a necessity of his calling that he should forget himself for the sake of others. Lottie awoke his sympathy and he pitied while he blamed. But he desponded as to the future and feared that she would never fulfill her first beautiful promise. He realized with a vague sense of pain how far apart they were and in what different worlds they dwelt. At one time it had seemed as if they might become friends and be in accord on the chief questions of life. But now that she was smiling so approvingly upon a man whose very face proclaimed him a villain, he saw a separation wider and more inexorable than Hindu caste, that of character. And yet with his intense love of beauty it seemed like sacrilege, the profanation of a beautiful temple, that such a girl as Charlotte Marsden should permit the associations of that evening. It was true that he could find no greater fault with her in respect to dress, manners, and attendance than with many others, not as much as with his own cousin, but for some reason that did not occur to him it was particularly a source of regret that Lottie should so fall short of what he believed true and right. His thoughts gave expression to his face, as in momentary abstraction he paced up and down the hall. Suddenly a voice that had grown strangely familiar in the brief time he had heard it said at his side, Why, Mr. Hemstead, you look as if at a funeral. What are you thinking of? Following an impulse of his open nature, he looked directly into Lottie's face and replied, You. She blushed slightly, but said with a laugh, That is frank, but added meaningly. I am surprised you cannot find anything better to think about. I think Mr. Hempstead shows excellent judgment, said Mr. Brentley, the young man whose face had seemed the index of all evil. Where could he find anything better to think about? Mr. Hempstead's compliments and yours are very different affairs. He means all he says. Mr. Hempstead, permit me to introduce you to Mr. Brentley of New York. I wish you could induce him to be a missionary." The young Rake laughed so heartily at this idea that he did not notice that Hempstead's acknowledgment was frigidly slight, but Lottie did. How absurdly jealous she thought, yet it pleased her that he was. "'I shall never be good enough to eat, and so cannot be persuaded to visit the cannibal islands in the role of missionary.' Brentley was too pleased with his own poor wit and too indifferent to hemstead to note that the student did not even look at him i expect that you will lecture me well for all my folly and wickedness to-morrow said lottie with a laugh you are mistaken miss marsden hemstead answered coldly i have neither the right nor the wish to lecture you and he turned away while she passed on with an unquiet uncomfortable feeling quite unlike her usual careless disregard of the opinions of others At that moment a gentleman and lady brushed past them on their way to the drawing-rooms, and he heard Lottie whisper, "'There are Mr. and Miss Martell, after all. I feared they were not coming.' A moment later he saw a tall and beautiful girl enter the parlours upon the arm of a gentleman who was evidently her father. Mrs. Byram received them with the utmost deference, and was profuse in her expressions of pleasure that they had not failed to be present having exclaimed their detention they moved on through the rooms receiving the cordial greetings of many who knew them and much attention from all they were evidently people of distinction and from the first hemstead had been favorably impressed with their appearance and bearing from the gentleman's erect and vigorous form it would seem that his hair was prematurely gray his face indicated intellect and high breeding while the deep-set and thoughtful eyes and the firm lines around his mouth suggested a man of decided opinions. The daughter was quite as beautiful as Lottie, only her style was entirely different. She was tall and willowy in form, while Lottie was of medium height. Miss Martell was very fair, and her large blue eyes seemed a trifle cold and expressionless as they rested on surrounding faces and scenes. One would hardly suppose that her pulse was quickened by the gaiety and excitement, and it might even be suspected that she was not in sympathy with either the people or their spirit. And yet all this would only be apparent to a close observer, for to the majority she was the embodiment of grace and courtesy, and as the Lanciers were called soon after her arrival she permitted Harcourt to lead her out as his partner. They took their stations near the door where hemstead was standing at the moment lottie and mr brintley stood at the head of the parlor and hemstead thought he had never seen two women more unlike and yet so beautiful while he in his isolation and abstraction was observing them and others in much the same spirit with which he was accustomed to haunt art galleries harcourt seeing him so near unexpectedly introduced him to miss martell saying good-naturedly you have one topic of mutual interest to talk about and a rather odd one for a clergyman and a young lady and that is horses miss martell is one of the best horsewomen of this region and you mr hemstead managed the span that were beyond me saved my neck at the same time in all probability the young lady at first was simply polite and greeted him as she naturally would a stranger casually introduced but from something, either in Harcourt's words or in Hempstead's appearance, as she gave him closer scrutiny, her eye kindled into interest, and she was about to speak to him, when the music called her into the graceful maze of the dance. Hemstead was as much surprised as if a portrait on the wall had stepped down and made his acquaintance, and in his embarrassment and confusion was glad that the lady was summoned away, and he given time to recover himself. Lottie had noted the introduction, and from her distance it had seemed that Miss Martell had treated him slightingly, and that she had not spoken, but had merely recognized him by a slight inclination. So, acting upon one of her generous impulses, the moment the first form was over and there was a brief respite, she went to where he stood near Miss Martell, and said kindly, but a little patronizingly, "'I'm sorry you did not dance, Mr. Hemstead. You must be having a stupid time.' he recognized her kindly spirit and said with a smile a quiet time but not a stupid one as you can understand this scene is quite a novel one to me a glimpse into a new and different world and one that you do not approve of i fear it has its lights and shadows lottie now turned to speak to miss martell and the evil-eyed Brentley, her partner had also been standing near waiting till Harcourt should cease to occupy her attention so closely. The young lady was polite, but not cordial to Lottie. She did not vouchsafe a glance at Brentley, but he was not easily abashed. "'Miss Martell,' he said suavely, "'will you honor me for the next waltz?' "'You must excuse me, sir,' she said coldly. "'Well, then, some time during the evening, at your own pleasure,' he urged." you must excuse me sir she repeated still more frigidly scarcely glancing at him what do you mean he asked insolently at the same time flushing deeply she gave him a cold quiet look of surprise and turning her back upon him resumed conversation with harcourt lottie was a little indignant and perplexed at this scene but noted with a feeling of disgust that her partner's face in his anger had the look of a demon but her own reception had been too cool to be agreeable and this with the supposed slight to hemstead caused miss martell to seem to her for the time the embodiment of capricious pride harcourt said britley does not seem to be in your good graces miss martell and that is strange for he is the lion of the evening i can well imagine that he belongs to the cat species she replied I have no personal grievance against Mr. Brentley, but I do not consider him a gentleman. My father knows that he is not one, and that is enough for me. Harcourt flushed with both pleasure and shame, and as the next farm just then required that he should take his companion's hand, he did so with a cordial pressure, as he said, Men would be better, I should be better, if all young ladies showed your spirit, Miss Martell at the next pause in the dance she said in a low tone come let us have no ifs be better anyway she detected the dejection which he tried to mask with a light laugh as he replied i often wish i were but the world the flesh and the devil are too much for me yes and always will be for you who can fight such enemies alone besides you are reading and thinking in the wrong direction you are going out into the desert.' "'Well, it's kind of you to care,' he said, with a look that deepened the faint color of her cheeks. "'I am not inhuman,' she replied quietly. "'Is it a little thing that a mind should go astray?' He looked at her earnestly, but made no reply. Soon after Lottie saw with surprise, during one of the intervals between the forms, that Miss Martell turned and spoke freely and cordially to Hemstead. Her surprise became something akin to annoyance, as, at the close, she took his arm and began to walk up and down the wide hall, evidently becoming deeply interested in his conversation. She soon shook off moody Brentley, who could think of nothing but the slight he had received, and taking DeForest's arm, also commenced promenading in the hall she noted with satisfaction that hemstead was not so occupied with his new and fascinating acquaintance as to be oblivious of her presence soon after mr martell joined his daughter and was introduced to hemstead and they went out to supper together lottie managed that she and de forest should find seats near them in a roomy angle where being out of the crush mr martell and his little party could season mrs byram's sumptuous fiance with attic salt and the flavor of their wit and thought was so attractive that they soon had a group of the most intelligent and cultivated of the company around them, and Lottie saw that Hemstead, who had been neglected by his own party, was becoming appreciated by the best people present. Miss Martell, with the tact of a perfect lady, had the power of putting him at his ease and drawing him out. Hemstead's mind was no stagnant, muddy pool, but a living fountain and his thoughts sparkled as it flowed readily on the congenial topics that mr and miss martell introduced the freshness and originality of his views seemed to interest them and others greatly but what pleased him most was that lottie who sat near was neglecting her supper and de Forest's compliments in her attention to the conversation Her face showed a quick, discriminating mind, and as the discussion grew a little warm on a topic of general interest, he saw from her eager and intelligent face that she had an opinion, and he had the tact to ask her for it at just the right moment. Though a little embarrassed at his unexpected question, she expressed her thoughts so briefly and brightly that the others were pleased, and she was at once taken into the circle of their talk which of course became more animated and spicy with her piquant words and manner added it was evident that she was enjoying this employment of her brain more than she had that of her feet the lower pleasure paled before the higher and she was grateful to hemstead for having drawn her within the charmed circle de forest did not grieve over lottie's absorption as it gave him more time for the supper table and champagne and to the latter he and a good many others were so devoted that they were hardly their poor selves the rest of the evening. In Brinkley's case it was most marked after the ladies had retired. He began to talk quite loudly and boisterously of his slight, and at one time was about to seek Miss Martell, and demand an explanation, but was prevailed upon by his friends to be quiet. End of chapter 15